Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. I know that I was born to be the solution to people's personal finance problems. Hey guys, it's Patrice and I honestly cannot tell you how excited I am to be here, to have this opportunity to just speak to you in a different format. So if this is your first time ever hearing of me, then let me just do a brief intro. My name is Patrice Washington. I've been known as America's Money Maven for over a decade. And that means for the last several years, I have been all over the world talking to people, in particular women, about personal finance. And I've done that through three best-selling books, The Real Money Answers Personal Finance Series, through a weekly segment on the nationally syndicated Steve Harvey Morning Show, and through just print publications. I've been all over the place, all over your TV, all over your radio, talking about personal finance stuff, right? And the reality is, I was starting to get bored with it. I know that I was born to be the solution to people's personal finance problems. I know that sounds kind of weird or nerdy, but it is. Like, I feel like that is the call on my life. But because I've done so much media and have been so many places um, talking about this stuff, I really started to get frustrated. Maybe it wasn't bored. It was frustrated. I was getting frustrated with this idea that people thought that if they used the right budget, all of their financial problems would go away. Like people thought that if they knew more about Experian or TransUnion or Equifax, the three credit bureaus, that would be the magic thing that turned things around. Or if they just repaired their credit or if they just got a new job or if they just got a new spouse. Yes, I've heard that too. Um, Like people really thought that that meant all of their financial issues would go away. And so for those of you, again, who don't know me, the way that I became America's Money Maven was not because that's what I originally set out to do. I started in real estate at 19 years old by the urging of a family member and then became a real estate and mortgage broker at 21 while I was a senior in college. Then my now husband, then boyfriend and I grew that business to become nearly a seven-figure business at about 25 years old. And so I thought I was going to do real estate forever. I loved it. And the way that I grew the business was by teaching 
people about personal finance, about budgeting, about debt elimination. And then I would kind of guide people on their way. I was essentially coaching people to get their finances prepared for home ownership. And so I never really saw what I do today as a business. At the time, it was a way to market another business. And then when the recession hit, I literally lost everything. And you'll learn more about me and my story as the season goes on, as you get more of these sessions. But just a little nutshell, I lost everything. I went from this seven-figure business to literally scraping up change. I had my primary residence foreclosed upon. My husband and I at the time had these matching Range Rovers. We thought we were really balling back then. Those were nicely (laughs) repossessed voluntarily. Just a lot of stuff went on, guys. It was nasty. It was ugly. And I always share that I found this scripture at one of my lowest points. I was literally on the floor in this teeny tiny apartment we were renting in Metairie, Louisiana, and found myself on the floor just nodding and crying and bawling and just like, God, why me? Like, how the heck did I get here? What did I do to deserve this? Because I'm pretty sure that I've been a good person and pretty clear that I've lived in integrity. I was not one of the mortgage brokers who were putting people in bad loans. I was actually one of the people who were like, you know what? I don't care what the numbers say you qualify for. I'm not going to let you get something that's totally out of your comfort zone. I was one of those guys. So I was like, how the heck did I end up here? What did I do to deserve this? And I'm sure, you know, you can probably relate to just having one of those moments. And it was in that moment, one of my bad ones, I'm talking ugly cry. It was in one of those bad moments that I felt that still small voice say, get your Bible. I reached for my Bible and I found this scripture, Proverbs 17, 16. And I like to say, actually, it found me because I didn't flip through looking for anything in particular. I just knew that I had exhausted any and everything that I could do on my human power. And I was ready for some intervention. I found this scripture, Proverbs 17, 16. It said, what good is money? in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom. I'm telling you, it was one of those like, ah, like the heavens opened up. It was one of those moments that I will never forget. It was a defining moment that changed my life forever. And when I got off that floor and got out of my pity party, I just, I remember saying, God, if you restore me, I will do whatever it takes. I will go wherever you send me. And I will tell people that this journey is not about chasing money. So many of us, think that we're wise because we have education. But I really started to research that night and then the next day, like the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And knowledge is having information, but wisdom is knowing how to apply that information. And those are two totally different things. That's why you have that cousin who has three degrees and no common sense. You know what I'm saying? All the information in the world, no knowledge of how to apply it. And even though I had done really well and I was really good at making money, I didn't have basic wisdom. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't seek out coaches. I didn't really cash in on the people who have been mentors in my life when I needed it the most. I didn't even know who to call or where to turn. And I just waited until my back was up against the wall. I learned my whole life I have been chasing money. But to chase money and not seek wisdom is really, one, to be a fool, but then two, to just end up broke anyway. And so... I learned that then, that was 2009, and I've been on a mission to share that with people ever since. Now that I've been on, I mean, my story is crazy, and you'll hear more. Trust me, keep tuning in, because you will hear more and more and more. Every time someone hears me speak, they're like, what? 
I didn't know that part. You never said that. It's because there's so much to freaking say. That's why I'm so glad I have this platform of the Redefining Wealth podcast now because I can just share and talk freely. And that's definitely what I plan to do. I have way too much inside that I need to get out because I really pray and I know that it'll bless other people. So here's the deal. You know, I I even lived on my brother's couch at one point for a little over three months. And so now that people see me on talk shows, and I never forget that I got this question from someone. Okay, so you went from your brother's couch to, I just saw you sitting across on this couch from Steve Harvey on the Steve Harvey talk show where I was a regular for three years. And like, what happened in between? And so that connects me back to what I was saying before about being frustrated at this point because people keep asking me about budgets and credit reports. And, you know, when you get booked to go on these TV shows or radio shows, they want the same information over and over again. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting further away from what I promised God when I was on the floor that night. I said that I would teach people that this journey is not about chasing money. But even though I'm now considered a financial expert, all these conversations are just about money. But I know intuitively and I know deep down from my own just gut, but then also from research, that truly building wealth has nothing to do with money. And so I would share it in bits and pieces. But the reality is, guys, in order to be invited back, you really have to hit those talking points in those two or three minutes, four if you're lucky, and keep it pushing, you know, because that's what the producers want. And I got to this point last year while I was telling a girlfriend, like, I'm tired of that because I want to tell people what I really did from the time I was living on my brother's couch in Atlanta to now sitting on this couch across from Steve every month. You know, like, I want to share the full story and I want to do it in a way where people can really, you know, understand. You know, I just want people to get it. And so we started to flesh it out, and I launched my new site, patricewashington.com, earlier this year, introducing folks to the pillars of wealth. And when I looked at my life for the last, what is this, eight, nine years, when I looked at my life, I I categorized actions and the ways of being and the habits um, that I've been activating into these pillars. And so I created the six pillars of wealth, and that's what I want to take you through. Like, that's what redefining wealth is all about. Everything that I'll share is based on these pillars. And I'm really, really clear when I look at successful people that I know, when I talk to wealthy people that I know, that they get it, but maybe it wasn't packaged this way. So I was looking for a way to package it so that you guys, really, so that you could understand what folks mean when they say these little cliches, you know, when people are like, you know... Follow your passion and the money will come. But what does even following the passion look like? Like in every cliche, there's like some action steps that we leave out just so that we can say the cliche and it sound cute and buttoned up and packaged nicely. And I want to unpack that stuff. I want to peel the layers back on the onion. I want to pull back the curtain. I want to give you a sneak peek into not just my life because I've been completely restored thank the Lord, but also the lives of others. So that's what this podcast is really all about. But to do that, which I'm now doing unapologetically, let me tell you, if you have something in your spirit that you've been like, man, I need to get that out. Can I just be an example of just freaking go and do it? 
launching the new site and redefining wealth and doing these weekly videos that are coming out every Tuesday on YouTube, when I get these emails and the direct messages and I run into people at events and hear how it is blessing them, it is such a blessing to me. And I am so pumped up and encouraged to just keep going with this. So I need your help too, to spread the word, because here's what the big message is with redefining wealth. It's that the original meaning of wealth had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with material possessions. It had nothing to do with your assets or your fancy vacations or your fly car. All of those things are nice. I enjoy them myself, but I don't chase those things. Like my life is not based on that. And the six pillars of wealth and this whole concept of redefining wealth is about the true definition of wealth. Because the truth about wealth is that its original meaning, 12th century definition, was well-being. It was well-being. It was about how happy are you in your life as a whole. And so now we live in this society that's hustle and grind where we are only committed to like work and chasing money, but we forget about all the other aspects of our lives that matter. When I was rebuilding, I did the opposite of chase money because I have been there. I've been rich. I've been broke. All of that. Right. And I'm like, I I don't want to do it that way this time. I want to look at my life completely differently. What would it look like if I really focused on the well-being piece? What would it look like if I focused on the things that truly made me happy, truly helped me feel fulfilled, truly helped me walk in my purpose? Like, what would that look like? And so from that are the six pillars of wealth. And so for this session, I'm only going to share the first one, which is fit. And I know that as soon as you heard me say fit, someone got an attitude. (laughs) You think that fit is all about going to the gym and that it is a piece of that, but it's such a small piece because here's the bigger picture, really. I truly believe that your health is your wealth, right? And I am not out here as much as I do everything that I do because I feel called to do it. I'm also very much running a business, just like you probably are, because I tend to attract a lot of entrepreneurs. And if you're not, you're going to work to get money, right? You're going to that corporate job or wherever you go, the nonprofit sector, government sector, wherever, you are going to get money. But are you going to get money so that you can spend it on prescriptions that you can't pronounce? Are you going to get money so that you can spend it on diseases that are threatening your life, that are going to cause your demise, in which case the money won't matter anyway? No. And so I truly believe that each one of us is called to do something special, man, like to do something great in the world. And that means that there is purpose and vision on your life. And so if there's a vision on your life, I truly believe that it is your responsibility, it's my responsibility, it's our responsibility to protect the vessels that are needed to execute that vision. Your body is the vessel. I realized a long time ago, because if you haven't seen me before, I'm a pretty slender build, right? And that would automatically make people think that it was all good. But let me tell you, being a slender build does not make you healthy. Being thin or slim or trim or whatever you want to call it doesn't make you healthy because I look slender and had high blood pressure. I look slender and had some other stuff I can't even pronounce anymore. Thank goodness I don't struggle with it. But in 2014, I was sick and I was also on a national book tour. So here I am. I prayed for this book tour and I'm going all over selling thousands of books. Yay, yay, yay. But 
I'm dying before and after getting on stage, literally ready to keel over. I'm not at my best. And so at that time, I started to say, you know what, God, how do I have the audacity to be praying to travel the world and I can't get around Atlanta without huffing and puffing? I'm having tubes put down my nose, which go down my throat, down to my stomach to monitor my gut. And I'm walking around with this little contraption taped to my face literally for two days so they could monitor all this stuff. Come on. And as an African-American woman, what really alarms me is how many of us in particular are dying from diseases that are preventable. I mean, the United States in general, our food system is crap, to be real. No matter what background you come from, there's an issue. But particularly in African-American households, oh my gosh, seriously? And then a lot of us are not going to the doctor, the proper doctor. You have one general doctor, but you got all these other issues and you should be seeing a specialist, but you don't know. Come on, you guys, seriously. Your ability to produce wealth is really connected to how you are treating your body. I stand up at book signings for two, three hours straight. If you've ever been to my book signing, you can attest to this. I'm not lying. I talk to every single person. I stand there in high heels and I lock eyes and I take pictures because if you ever come and see me, I will not dishonor you by sitting down. I have to be sick to sit down. And I'm not knocking authors that play that route, but I am literally so honored and grateful that people would take their time to come and see me in person, that your picture is going to be the bomb. If we have to take 10, it is what it is. You are going to tell me whatever story you came all the way here to tell me. You're going to share whatever aha moment. I want to hear it all because it's encouraging to me. It's that thing that keeps me going as well, you know? But you have to be physically fit to do that. So I'm like, how can I be asking God to put me in front of more people, but I have to sit at a 30-person book signing? No. Negative, negative, right? So I want you to think about your own life. Are you physically capable? Are you being intentional with what you put in your body, with how you treat your body? Are you being intentional so that you can actually see this thing to the end? So that when you hit those goals and when you see this vision come to fruition, are you going to be able to walk in it, live in it, breathe in it, taste it, smell it, enjoy it? Or are you going to be in a hospital somewhere? That's a real question. And then beyond the physical fitness, here's another thing that's really important in this fit category. It's your mental fitness. Because again, I feel like a lot of us are praying for things that we don't have the mental capacity to sustain. You want more, you want to do more, you want to have more, you want to be more. But then there are things that are really challenging you. I know for me, I was dealing with a lot of childhood trauma. And I would say I wanted one thing, but then that something from that childhood would kick up, whether it was feelings of unworthiness, feelings that I wasn't lovable. I had abandonment issues. You know, I got daddy issues. <laughs> like I have all these freaking issues. My mom worked so much and bless her heart because she's a single mom and I'm from Belize and my mom was very big on taking care of my grandma and, um, you know, her family members back in Belize. And so my mom was just busy all the time. And as much as I knew that she was working and doing all this stuff, you know, as we, as a parent now, I say, I'm doing this for you. I still felt abandoned. I still felt unloved. It just is what it is. It's not a right or a wrong. It just is. And I needed to go to therapy to deal with my childhood trauma. And I'm convinced that I, had I not gone to therapy, 
I would not be America's Money Maven. I could not be a best-selling author. I could not just sit here in my home studio and even share this with you. I had to get through that stuff. I had to learn techniques and tools and strategies to cope and to heal and to forgive people who will never say I'm sorry, right? And, you know, maybe you've heard me share this in social media, maybe not, but I could not look at myself in the mirror until I was 25 years old without cringing, literally. People who knew me from middle school, high school, college, they're like, I would have no idea that you had such low self-esteem. I really did. I mean, we all wear a mask, right? I was great at covering it up. I knew I was smart. I knew I knew how to make money. I knew I had personality. So I just felt like, you know, all those things could work together and maybe take attention off of what I look like. But secretly, because I'm a chocolate girl from Los Angeles, California, is where I was raised. And, um, you know, it was not cool to grow up chocolate in the land of the light skin. I'm going to just keep it real. It was, you know, I remember being eight, nine, 10 years old, scrubbing my skin, trying to see if I was just dirty and if it could come off. I literally just wanted to scrape my skin off and hope that something lighter was underneath. I have very full lips. I have, uh, you know, kind of a broad nose. Not super broad, but, you know, I had someone in my family call me thick lip. And that was the first time I realized I had full lips. Before that, I, you know, you don't know. You just, you're just you, right? And you tell a kid that at like seven, eight years old. So now I'm like tucking my lips in and I'm tall. I'm 5'10". And so when I put heels on, I'm a smooth 6'1". And people would be like, oh, you're too tall. You're taller than the boy. So then I start slouching. And then I was super thin, but I had this athletic build. So I had big, big thighs. And, you know, someone in my family called me Thunder Thighs. I mean, I could not catch a break, you guys, seriously. Could not catch a break to save my life. And I had no one there being intentional about saying, like my husband and I do now to my daughter, you're beautiful. You're good, but you're going to be great. You have no idea. Oh my gosh, my daughter, I'm like, look at your athletic build. God built you as a goddess. I am so intentional. No issues with self-esteem, but I was a wreck. And then you add not really having boobs for a long time. I'm telling you, not cool at all. And I remember my husband, when I was 22, I went on a trip with one of my best girlfriends and went to Spain and Italy. I was gone 21 days. And I had just gotten this apartment in Westchester, which is near LAX. And I came back and he was so excited. I got the apartment and I left. I didn't really have time to decorate or put anything up. I just got it and I left. When I got back, this man, which is why I kept him around, had gotten furniture and totally redid the furniture. Like, couldn't get anything expensive, right? But like, he reupholstered the furniture, painted things. It was beautiful. Put my clothes up. I'm talking like real man ladies, okay? And then I was so in awe of all of that. But then I saw these huge pictures of me blown up and framed all around the place, all around the living room. And I ran out. I ran out of the apartment crying. I'm talking boo-hoo bawling. And he came after me like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? What don't you like? And I knew that he loved me already at that point. Like I knew that we were in a good place and he wasn't a mean-spirited person or a cruel person. But because I felt so little about my appearance, like I was just so low in the self-esteem department when it came to my looks and I had never looked at myself. I hated every picture. I didn't look at myself. I wasn't big on that at all. 
So when I saw the pictures blown up, it was like he was playing a cruel joke. And I know that seems totally irrational, but let me tell you, by that point, 22 years of being kind of, or I, I really started when I was about six. So let's say 16 years of being told that you're ugly. The last thing that you want to see is a blown up picture of yourself and multiple ones. And it was my husband that started to help me see myself in a different way. One time he looked in the mirror with me. I don't even know if he remembers this, but he looked in the mirror with me in this apartment. And he's like, are you kidding? Like, do you see what I see? Like your eyes, your almond-shaped eyes and your lips are beautiful and your cheekbones. And I really had to borrow his faith for a period. And I would affirm just different things about myself um, in the mirror. And it took some years, but that's why I tell you guys, I was 25. It took years. I was 25 before I could look in the mirror and not cringe. And then I went to therapy. And in therapy, we started to draw out where this started, how it started, what that really meant about the person or people who were saying certain things to me. And I started to heal from that thing. And thank God that I did because I could not be who I am today had I not healed. I could not be here 11 years later. I'm 36 now. I couldn't be here today with my face on three books, getting ready to be put on a fourth book. I could not be on national television monthly, right? With millions of eyeballs. I could not participate in social media that is so, you know, driven by selfies and stuff, which I would have never done back in the day. I could not be all of who I am today, but I also couldn't serve you because if I was not in a better place with what I look like, I would be too afraid to get on stages and speak to people about how to heal their finances. I would be too afraid, you know, to go to these conferences and networking events. I couldn't have done it. I did well in real estate back in the day, but it really wasn't all this. It was a brick and mortar shop. Most things were done over the phone and fax. Yes, fax machines and email. I didn't have to have this much, you know, frontward facing time with people. But I'm so glad that I did. And so I know that sitting on that couch is so connected to the financial success that I have today. And so a part of Redefining Wealth is we're going to pull this stuff out. We're going to talk about it. We're going to make, as one of my girlfriends says, therapy a lifestyle because I don't want you to be held back. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. It doesn't matter how talented you are. You cannot show up and be your full self when you are living through your nine-year-old lens, right? Like when you can only see people and circumstances and places, and this happens through the lens of who you were in 1989, that is really going to be a problem. And your wealth is connected to it. So a part of redefining wealth and having well-being in this area of fitness will not just be me sharing things about physical fitness and all that stuff, because I love detoxing. I love beauty regimens. <laughs> I love working out. I love trying new ways to work out that don't bore me. I mean, I want to be exhausted, but not exhausted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love talking about that stuff, but I also love the opportunity to help you really get clear on what some of this mental noise is that might be holding you back. And so that's what we'll be doing. That is one of the pillars. And I can't wait to introduce you to some of my friends and new folks that I'm meeting now, best-selling authors, entertainers, athletes, executives, people who are super successful who are going to share their stories of how this pillar in particular has totally changed their lives. Because my number one goal, guys, is to make sure that you live your life's purpose 
that you find fulfillment and that you earn more without ever feeling like you have to chase money. This journey is not about chasing money at all. It's truly about us seeking wisdom and chasing the purpose, chasing that reason that only you were put here on this earth. And I am so excited that I get to explore that with you. So make sure you stay tuned for the next session, which is going to share with you pillar number two in redefining wealth. And make sure you hit me up. You can find out more about me at patricewashington.com. Please leave a review. Let me know what you thought about this episode, what you think about what I'm doing. I welcome feedback. I am coachable. I say that all the time and I welcome feedback and your reviews matter and they truly help. And you can hit me up anywhere on social media at Seek Wisdom PCW. That's Seek Wisdom PCW. Until next time, go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money.